0: Um, we are continuing our series today on Back to the Basics that we've been going through for um, a few weeks now, and today we're going to be talking about prayer. Today and next week, these two weeks, we're going to be talking about prayer. And uh, man, we, we need to go back to the basics with prayer. We need to go back to the gym. Um, well, I don't want to speak for all of you, but for myself, I, I really need to go back to the basics with this. And, I, you know, I'm being honest with you, during COVID, during the past 18 months, my, my prayer life has not been great. Um, my, my prayer life is definitely, I would not say it's been strong. Uh, I've lost motivation at times. I've just kind of gone through the motions at times. And when I look at myself honestly, I'm like, man, I need to, I need to, I need to get back on track in, in my relationship with God, in my prayer life with God. And I don't know if any of you feel like that, but if you do, um, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. And, you know, I, I want us to think about, hey, what can we do? How can we um, reestablish that connection with God if, if, it's, if that's something that you've had before? Or maybe you're a Christian and you've never really prayed much with God. I want to talk today about why prayer is such an amazing gift and such a wonderful thing. Now, Why, why is it so hard to pray? For, for a lot of us, I think praying is something that we find um not so not so easy, maybe even very difficult. Maybe it feels like a drag to you. Um, honestly, at times in my life, I feel that. Uh, maybe for some of us, you look at it as like a burdensome obligation of some sort. It's like, you know, something that you need to check off your daily to-do list or task list, but it's the one that you kind of put at the bottom or the one that you just procrastinate and you want to do other things and go, you know, wash your car, go mow your lawn, do whatever you want to do. But we just find ourselves dragging our feet when it comes to prayer. Maybe you kind of feel like prayer is, it's like a daily sacrifice that I have to make to this God. And if I don't do it, this God is going to be displeased with me. And he's not going to like me and he's going to be upset with me. Maybe... That's how some of you feel about prayer. Maybe some of us, we feel like, you know, when we pray, we don't know if our prayers are actually heard or not. Have you ever had that feeling where you pray and you you feel like you're praying to a brick wall or you're you're praying and your prayers are just kind of like going up into poof, nothingness and you wonder if God actually hears your prayers, You wonder if when you pray, it actually accomplishes anything. Maybe you pray about something regularly, or you pray about something a lot even, and then it happens. But then you wonder, was it because I prayed that it happened? Or is it just coincidence? Or is it something that God in his sovereignty was just going to do anyway, and it didn't really matter if I prayed or not? You ever felt that way? I wonder if when I pray, God hears me, I wonder if it actually does anything. Wouldn't it be so much easier if there was like a, a prayer meter that you could look at, like an app, like the, the God app, right? Downloaded straight from heaven, and, you know, it shows you this app on, your, on your, your, your watch or on your phone, and you look at it, and the phone, and it says, you know, you put in your prayer request, I'd like to pray for this. And God right away tells you, yes, pray for it, or no, don't bother, Right? It says, yes, okay, I should pray for this. And then God shows you this meter. Well, I need to pray 10 minutes a day for 30 days in a row. And if I do that, God's gonna answer this prayer. And every day you see that little meter increasing more and more and more. You're like, 15 days, 15 days left. We're almost there. If that was what prayer was like, man, you'd pray all the time, right? You'd know, when I pray, God's listening. He's listening to this one. And when I pray, I'm almost there. It's getting there. Or if it's more serious, you just, you know, you up it to to medium level or hard level. It's like, okay, I got to pray an hour a day for seven days. I got to compress this because I really need to know if I should take this job or not. I really need to know if I should date this person or not. And we we up it on our app. Wouldn't it be so great if that's what prayer was like? But prayer isn't like that, is it? And it makes it challenging it makes it difficult. We wonder, does prayer actually do anything? Is anybody actually listening? Is God listening when I pray? Today we're gonna be looking at the book of Revelation, um, chapter eight, verses one through five. And just to give a little bit of background about the book of Revelation, uh, this book is written by the apostle John while he's in exile on the island of Patmos, Uh, this this is not contrary to what many people think about predictions about the future. The majority of the book of Revelation is not about looking for a specific war or a famine or a sign that shows you the end times have begun or oh my gosh, the antichrist or things like that. That's not what the book of Revelation is about. The book of Revelation is about the end times But the end times began with the first coming of Christ 2,000 years ago. That's when the end times began. And the end times stretch from 2,000 years ago at the first coming of Christ to whenever Jesus comes back at his second coming. Whether it's this afternoon or 2,000 years from now, whatever it is, this entire period is the end times. And what John is describing in the book of Revelation through all these visions that he sees is he's describing life now, the spiritual reality now, the spiritual war that we're in now, from when Jesus came till when Jesus returns. So Revelation is not a book about looking for a specific sign about the future. Revelation is telling us what life is like now, what it takes to be a Christian, to be faithful to God, and what God is doing in in this world. So in Revelation chapter 8, what John does in verses 1 through 5 is he actually, he, um, God takes him behind the curtain to show him what is happening when the people of God pray. He's showing us when we pray what takes place in the spiritual realm. So if you've ever wondered that, If you've wondered, does God listen to my prayers? Are my prayers effective? Is this doing anything? Or am I just going through this senseless routine, these motions? John shows us what's actually happening. Let me read here. It says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Then I saw the seven angels who stand before God and seven trumpets were given to them. And another angel came and stood at the altar with a golden censer, and he was given much incense to offer with the prayers of all the saints on the golden altar before the throne. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints rose before God from the hand of the angel. Then the angel took the censer And filled it with fire from the altar and threw it on the earth. And there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. This is God's word. Let me first um, come back here to, to verse one. It says, When the Lamb opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Now, This is so significant, this is so unbelievable, actually, that there was silence in heaven for half an hour. Thank you so much. Um, Why? Because heaven is an incredibly loud place. Heaven is incredibly loud. Just earlier in the book of Revelation, in chapter 5, it says this, And this gives you an idea of how loud this place was. It says, Then I looked, and I heard around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders, the voice of many angels, numbering myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain, to receive power, and wealth, and wisdom, and might. And honor, and glory, and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, and on earth, and under the earth, and in the sea, and all that is in them, saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb, be blessing, and honor, and glory, and might, forever and ever. The picture, or the audio that you get, is of of God's throne being surrounded by thousands upon thousands of angels and creatures and and, and all of these people who are awaiting the return of Christ and and all of this, and they're shouting and they're singing praises to God about how worthy He is. Heaven is a loud place. If you have those pictures of Raphael's painting, you know, of angels, you know, up on the clouds, and there's harps, right? And harps, what do harps tell you? Harps tell you it's quiet, right? Right? Be able to hear a harp. It's like da, 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 da right? Really quiet, serene place. No, that's not what it is. Heaven is so, so loud with the praises, the nonstop praises of people and angels and creatures. And this is why it's all the more amazing when we look at this first verse here, and it says there was silence in heaven. For half an hour, God said, quiet, silence, and all the creatures and angels hushed. And it was so quiet, you can hear the fan blowing air out the the door. Everything quieted down like that for 30 minutes. 30 minutes. 30 minutes doesn't sound like a long time, but do you ever, I don't know, do you ever sit down with somebody and you're talking and you said, let's be quiet for 30 minutes and just stare at each other? Can't do it. <laughs> You'd run out of that room screaming. It'd be so awkward. 30 minutes is a really long time. It's long enough for everybody to settle down, it's long enough for the, the hushes and the murmurs and the last person going, hallelujah, to, to kind of stop. Oh, oh, sorry, <laughs> we're being quiet here. And everybody is completely silent. Everybody is wondering, what is, what is to come? Why are we being so quiet, it must be so important, what is it, what is it that's about to happen that we need to be so focused on, that we need to let God be focused on and completely tuned in on? It's simply this, the prayers of the saints were brought in before God. The prayers of the saints. Our prayers. Your prayers. My prayers. Your prayer for your sick family member. Your prayer for your friend to know Jesus. Your desperate cry for God to lead you and direct you to make the right decision, your deep desire to be changed and to be more like Christ and to give him the sacrifice that he is due, those prayers, every single one. That's what God quiets down the millions upon millions of angels and creatures in heaven. He quiets them down because he wants to listen to your prayer. This is what John is showing us happens whenever you pray. When you pray, God wants you to know it is so important to him. You have his full, undivided attention. And he is listening. If you've ever wondered, if you've ever doubted, does God really care when I pray? Let there be no doubt that he does. And he is listening. I hope that makes you want to go to God to pray and to talk to him. Don't you... Want to talk to people who are listening? We all do, right? Don't you hate it when you, you talk to somebody and you want to share something important, something from your heart, and what do they do? They're like constantly on their phone. You don't want to talk to somebody like that. Are they listening? They're not really listening. Or maybe they're nice enough to put their phone down on the table. Oh, that's so kind of you. But you know, every time a notification pops up, bam, their eyes go right over to it. Or maybe they're that rare type of person who will take their phone, put it on the table, and turn it upside down. (laughs) Oh my gosh! You are such an elevated, enlightened human being. (laughs) Put the phone in your pocket. (laughs) Put the phone in your pocket. We want to know that people are really listening. Uh, Stephen Covey, author of Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, he said, most people do not listen with the intent to understand. They listen with the intent to reply. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? So often, people are more concerned about what they're going to say, how they're going to respond needing to feel like they can give you good advice, then they are with really hearing you, hearing your heart, giving you the time to fully express everything in your heart, to be patient enough to really listen. But our God does. In silence, with patience, He wants to hear everything in our you know, the, the story of Job, I think many of you are familiar with it, but the story of Job in the Old Testament is the story of the person in the Bible who is probably, or, or in our world maybe, who has suffered more than anybody else except for Jesus Christ himself. Job lost his wealth, he was a rich man, and all his children, he had many children, and his own health all in one day. In one day, he lost all of that. His wealth got taken away, all his children died, and then his own health was destroyed. His suffering was unbelievably great. And the book of Job is actually the story, a lot of it is about his friends who came to comfort him but it ends up being an argument and a debate between Job and his friends, where Job's friends are saying, Job, you must have done something wrong. Things like this don't happen unless you've sinned against God. And Job is like, no, I didn't. You're a lousy bunch of friends. What kind of friends are you? I didn't do anything wrong. What did I do wrong? God, show me what I did wrong. And they're like, oh, now you're really being arrogant. Now, look, there it is. There it is right there. And so back and forth, back and forth. And in the end, Job's friends get rebuked for that. But it didn't start out that way, actually. In the beginning, when his friends came, it says this. Now, when Job's three friends heard of all this evil that had come upon him, they came each from his own place, Eliphaz, the Temanite, Bildad, the Shuhite, and Zophar, the Namathite. Sounds like Lord of the Rings, right? They, they, they made an appointment together to come to him, To come to show sympathy, show him sympathy and comfort him. And when they saw him from a distance, they did not recognize him. And they raised their voices and wept. And they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads toward heaven. And they sat with him on the ground seven days and seven nights. And here's the key. And no one spoke a word to him. For they saw that his suffering was very great. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed the day of his birth. The best thing Job's friends did when they saw how great his suffering was, was they came, they tore their robes, they wept, they sat down with him, and they were silent. They didn't speak a word. They didn't dare speak a word because they saw how great his suffering was. They knew that there was nothing they could say. There was nothing that they should say. They just sat in silence and they waited and they waited upon Job. And it took seven days. But after seven days, Job was able to be honest. After seven days, when Job saw that his friends truly wanted to listen, that they really were empathizing with him in his pain and that they really were willing to listen. It says he opened his mouth and he dared to utter something so extreme, but he uttered his heart. It says he cursed the day of his birth. He did that. He was able to do that. He was able to be honest because he saw these people are really here to listen to me. Seven days of silence before he understood that and dared speak. That was the best thing that his friends did. After that, it went downhill. The world understands this as well. Non believers, people around us, the secular world, they understand this as well. Thich Nhat Hanh, a Vietnamese Zen Buddhist monk, He said this, I like his quote, deep listening is the kind of listening that can help relieve the suffering of another person. You can call it compassionate listening. You listen with only one purpose, to help him or her to empty his heart. When God silences his throne room, for 30 minutes. He wants us to know that we can come and empty our hearts to Him, that truly He is listening. The older I get, and as I search and seek deep, meaningful friendships in my own life, I am realizing how important it is to have people who truly listen to you and how difficult this is to actually find in people. Most people want to talk. Most people want to reply. Most people won't give you the space to actually be able to express your whole heart. And so what do you do? You end up withholding your whole heart. You end up waiting to see, is this person really willing to listen And you find, I don't know about you, but if you're like me, you have a difficult time actually really opening up. Because you wonder, is this person really here to listen to me? Does he or she really want to know what's in my heart? God shows John. Can you imagine John in heaven? 30 minutes there. Dead silence, wondering what is going on. What is so important that God would silence everything and everyone for so long? And at the end of those 30 minutes, he finds the thing that was so important was your prayer. My prayer. God is listening. And I hope that that encourages you to come and to bring your full heart to God as well. Not only is God listening, but our prayers are described in this way. He says that an angel came with a golden censer. Censer is kind of like a a little little stick with a, a... You know, a bowl at the end of it where you could put incense into it. You could light it and you can offer up incense. And it says that he came with a golden censer and it was mixed. In it was incense and the prayers of the saints. This is very symbolic vision language that John was seeing. He says he offered this up before God and the, the smoke of the incense rose before God and it was the prayers of the saints that were rising up before God the in the censer was made of gold it speaks to the preciousness of what is being offered brothers and sisters Our prayers were being offered in a censer of fine gold before God. That means something. The angel didn't come with like a plastic bucket from Home Depot. Hey, I got a bunch bunch of prayers here. God, you want to hear them? I wrote them on crumpled up pieces of paper here. Let me dump them out before you right here. One of those orange Home Depot buckets. He came with a censer of gold because of how precious your words are. Even at times when you pray and you don't even know what you're saying, even at times when you're praying and and you 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 can't even get out what's in your heart, you don't even know how to explain yourself. If somebody asked you to explain what was going on in your heart, you wouldn't even be able to do it. But even those prayers are so precious to God. They're in a golden censer. If you came over to my house and you saw two framed photos of my kids, Audrey and Noah, on the mantle, and one kid's frame was made of pure 24 karat, solid gold, and the other one was made of of popsicle sticks, which kid would you think I like more? Pretty obvious. Good thing I don't do that. I'm a good dad. (laughs) They're both in, in Ikea frames. But God takes our prayers and they are offered in a censer of gold because they're so precious. Every word, every emotion, every tear that we bring before God. And like David, he said in Psalm 141, 141, O Lord, I call upon you. Hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. Let my prayer be counted as incense before you and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. David knew it. David understood what was happening. What the Old Testament incense, when it was offered and it rose up, the incense, the smoke of the incense, what it really represented. It represented intercession. It represented the prayers of the people. And David said, may my prayers rise up to you like that, O God. And we see in Revelation that that is exactly what happens. Our prayers never fall to the ground. Our prayers always rise up before God. They always make it before God. They always do. They always hear. When I was living in in China for two years, and uh, there are many holidays that came by, but every time New Year came by, I learned about different customs and traditions. And one thing that would happen is that in the the Buddhist temple at New Year, people would go, throngs of people would go to light a stick of incense. And to light that because it represented a prayer before them, up to the divine, up to Buddha. And uh, the person who offered the first stick of incense That person's prayer was the most heard prayer. So it was a real privilege. So it was like usually the mayor of the town or the most important dignitary of the city would be the one that would first come and offer his or her incense so that their prayer was the most likely to be heard. And everybody else kind of got in line. And if you came in last, (laughs) fat chance of your prayers being heard. Maybe, but probably not. But with our God, Every single prayer from the most powerful, important person in our world to the most lowly and humble, every prayer is in that golden censer. Every prayer rises before God. Whether you're praying for an hour at home or you pray for two minutes on your lunch break at work or you're praying right before your meal or you pray before your kids before they go to bed, every one of those prayers matter and they make it before God. They are precious to him. Lastly, here, what does our prayer do? What is the effect of our prayer? Once again, in verse 5, it says Then the angel took the censer, the same censer where our prayers were offered to God. It says, And he filled it with fire from the altar. And threw it on the earth, and there were peals of thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, and an earthquake. In other words, what God is telling us, what He is saying to John through this imagery, it's the same sensor. The one that offered the prayers is the one through, through which the fire from the altar is thrown onto the earth. Thunder, rumblings, flashes of lightning, an earthquake. What God is saying is that our prayers are powerful and effective. Our prayers make a difference in this world. Yes, they do. If you wonder, do my prayers make a difference? They absolutely do. Do my prayers for my kids make a difference? They absolutely do. When I pray for my neighbor who seems so far from God and seems so hopeless, does that make a difference? It absolutely does. When I pray for the church, when I pray for this world, when I pray for my own heart, even though I stumble and I fall into temptation again and again, God, does that really make any difference? It absolutely does. Our prayers cause thunder, rumblings, lightning, earthquakes in this world. They are powerful. As, as James said, the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Brothers and sisters, if you want to make a difference in this world, one of the main ways that you do so is praying, is to tap into the power of prayer. God works mightily through that. And I think there may be some of us in this room, you used to have a prayer warrior spirit you used to have a heart to really pray and maybe COVID knocked you off or, or maybe maybe had the busyness of parenting knocked you off or, or maybe the busyness of your work or your, your school knocked you off off, off off kilter. But you had that spirit. Brothers and sisters, we need to reclaim that spirit because prayer is powerful and maybe you've tasted it before and you probably have. And God wants to remind you that man, more than anything that we can do, When we pray, the battle is won by the Lord when we pray. God hears you. He is listening. Your prayers are so precious to him, and your prayers work so powerfully in this world. Brothers and sisters, please, please don't go home and say, okay, I'm going to go and do my daily quiet time and check it off the list. Man, I I want something so much deeper for you and so much deeper for me. I want us to be inspired to know that, man, if, if if God, the God of the universe, is so eager to listen to me, Why am I not rushing into his presence? Why am I not rushing into my prayer closet? Why am I not rushing off to a hike or to the woods to to walk and talk with God if he is that eager to hear me? And if my prayers are so effective and and if he he finds my words so precious, why am I not so eager to rush into his presence to be with him? Man, may this glimpse behind the curtain... Challenge us and motivate us to something so much deeper than some type of religious routine or obligation. God wants to know His heart. I love you. I love it when you talk to me. I love hearing your heart. I love when you pour out to me your messiness, your confusion. I love it all. I'm all ears and I stop everything when you come before me in prayer. That is God's heart. And and if we get that, I think it can really change our relationship with God and how we pray. I want to challenge you to do an exercise this week. Um, And my hope is that if you don't do this normally, that this may be something that refreshes your, your prayer life, your relationship with God, I want to challenge you to, to go to find a quiet place. Maybe it's your, your room, your backyard, maybe it's out in the woods or somewhere. And, and, and just take, grab another chair. You sit in a chair, you grab another chair, and you let that chair represent God. That He is right there seated, listening to you. If you're out in the woods, you sit on a rock, you get a rock for God, you clear a little space out on the ground for God, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. And and do this exercise and talk to that space. And this is okay because God is omnipresent. He's everywhere. He's in that chair. He's on that rock. He's everywhere. He's in our hearts. He's with us. And talk to him and see if that um, doesn't possibly refresh your relationship with God. I want to encourage you to try that. Maybe that will speak to you in a new way and help you to realize that God is really there. He's really listening and I can pour out my heart to him. I want to challenge you to try that this week. Brothers and sisters, coming in to the presence of God to pray is such a privilege, and it is something that was impossible because of our sin. It was. It was impossible because our sins separated us from God. But that's why I don't think it's an accident in Revelation 8 here in this passage that our prayers were offered on the altar. Our prayers were offered on the altar. The altar! Why are prayers being offered on the altar? What's special about the altar? Well, it's because, as you know, the altar is the place of sacrifice. It was only because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, gave his own life upon the altar of God as the perfect sacrifice to God. He gave his life. He died upon the cross, the altar of the cross, for my sin, for the sins of anyone who believes in him, for your sins if you believe in him. Because of that, the curtain of the temple was torn in two, and now God says, come, come in. And if you are here this morning and you don't have a relationship with God, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you wonder, does God hear me? If I pray, will God listen to me? My answer is, if you receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He absolutely will. Because our prayers must go through the altar. And the way of the altar was opened through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Brothers and sisters, our ability to come and pray your ability to go into the woods and pray or into your closet and pray, your ability to pour out your heart and know that God has silenced heaven and is listening was purchased at a great price through what Jesus has done for us. Let us fully avail ourselves of this privilege that God has made possible for us because of the death of his son. Don't you want somebody in this world, in this life, who will truly listen to you patiently, silently, because they want to know the deepest parts of your heart? No one does that better than our God. And may we Go back to the throne and speak in a place of utter silence because God holds our prayers so precious to him.